Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the first chapter of Mark's gospel. Verses 9 through 15, and you might be thinking, we heard these verses just a few weeks ago. Well, yes, we did on the first Sunday of uh, January. But we'll talk about that. Mark 1, verses 9 through 15. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. And the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness forty days, tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Again, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious God, open our ears that we may hear your truth. Open our eyes that we may see your kingdom and open our hearts and minds that we might know the cries of our brothers and sisters who are hurting and hungry and sometimes even dying without the knowledge of your love for them. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And all God's people said. Amen. Hey, yes. Oh, my goodness. The wilderness experience. Three of the four Gospels tell us that after his baptism, Jesus spent time in the wilderness. Now, John's loquacious Jesus doesn't have time to be alone. He's got disciples to call and parties to attend. He's got wine to make. But the other three are pretty clear that Jesus needed time to get things in order. At least that's what it seems like he's doing. And what kind of of Messiah is Jesus going to be? Now, Matthew and Luke describe the conversation in the wilderness. They describe the temptations. They give us some background into the decisions facing Jesus as he launched his ministry. And they provide lots of juicy details about what was going on there and lots of debate about the tests that Jesus faced. But no... It's year B in the electionary cycle, and we get Mark. Mark, who presents the temptation in the wilderness in two verses, who doesn't itemize the questions, who doesn't tell us how strenuous it was. We just get some bullet points in Mark's PowerPoint on Jesus. Item one, Jesus was there for 40 days. Item two, he was tempted by Satan. Uh, Excuse me? How, sir, how was he tempted by Satan? Sorry, no time for questions. We need to move on. Item three, he was with the wild beasts. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean with the wild beasts? Were they attacking him? Were they surrounding him? Did he fight them for food? Did he turn them into pets? Nope, no time for questions. Moving on. Item four, he was waited upon by the angels. Waited on? They brought him meals and such. They mopped his brow and fanned him with big leaves or... Or did they stand on the edge of the wilderness and tap their toes while checking their iPhones for texts from Jesus? Nope, no time for this. Time to move on. End of lecture. 
So what is going on here? Well, Mark says we don't know. Mark tells us that Matthew and Luke made up stuff or had other sources or, or maybe they just pestered Jesus until he told them what happened. Mark says very plainly that it doesn't matter really what exactly happened. Mark says that the important stuff is there. Back up, he says. Look at the process. Baptism. Heaven's torn open. Gentle spirit like a dove settles and Jesus is blessed. Then gentle spirit becomes an irresistible force pushing him and driving him into the wilderness. Driving him. Temptation. Wild animals. Angels. That's all you need to know. Maybe it is. Because we can relate, can't we? We have those beastly moments from time to time, don't we? We find ourselves cast out into a world that we aren't ready for, dealing with things for which we didn't prepare and wondering if we're going to survive. There are choices to be made, paths to follow, and we're never sure which is right which, and what will bring us back into the gentle blessing of the Spirit and, and what will drive us deeper into the conflict with the adversary. And our first thought when we find ourselves in difficult situations is, what did I do wrong? How did I get off track? And one wonders if Jesus had those thoughts while stumbling around in the wilderness. What did I do wrong? Well, surely not, we think. He must have known what he was doing. It must have been his idea to go and spend some quiet time before diving into the business, into the busy years of his earthly ministry. But then, why does it say that the Spirit drove him out? Doesn't that sound like he didn't want to go? Doesn't that sound like punishment? God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden? It sounds like getting rid of something you don't want. Jesus himself would later drive out demons and drive out disease. It was a way of getting obstacles out of the way. Jesus drove out the mourners when he wanted to rescue Jairus' daughter from the grip of death. The Spirit drove him out into the wilderness. The Spirit tore open the heavens and drove him into the wilderness. And in the middle, he was blessed with a gentle presence and loving words. He was tempted in the harsh wilderness for 40 days. And in the midst of it, he was waited on by emissaries of the God who claimed him at the river. Again, there's an echo of our own lives that seems to vacillate between moments of love and acceptance and, and moments of doubt and terror. We seem to be swallowed up in uncertainty, even as we are comforted by the blessings of those who love us. Mark says that Jesus tells us to lean into the Spirit even when it blows us into uncharted territory, even when it seems to be sending us out against our will. Lean into the uncertainty because it won't abandon you. And along the way, there will be moments of blessing. Remember them. Cling to them. Let them be sustaining in times of temptation and, and deprivation. 
Let those words, you are my beloved, ring in your ears over the weeping and moaning of our own brokenness. And let the gentle spirit be what drives you to embrace the suffering of the world to bring healing and wholeness and love. Wait, though. Light and dark, gentleness and suffering, Satan and angels. Okay, okay. We get the tension the daily struggle to hold on, that hope in the midst of despair and the suffering that deepens love. But what about the animals? He was with the wild beasts. Who are they? Are they another danger, another comfort, another choice to turn away from our responsibility to claim? Who are the wild beasts? We are. He was with the wild beasts, and that's all we get. Did they attack him to rend him limb from limb, or did they lie down to keep him warm in the cold desert nights? Yes, maybe both. Maybe some attacked and some came alongside. Maybe some ran from him and some ran toward him. We have that choice. We always have that choice. And we aren't told what happened because it is still happening every day. We make the choice to lean into the Spirit or not. But if we lean into the Spirit, it won't let you down and you'll find resources to face whatever may come in the wilderness. And out of this moment, out of this beastly wilderness moment, he comes to announce that the kingdom of God has come near. Really? Where? Where do we find it? Here in this non-wilderness world? Or is it, or is it back there? Where in the, is the kingdom nearest to us? It's when we are safe and happy and everything is easy. Is that when it is? Is that where the kingdom is? Or is it when we're wrestling like Jacob at J-Box Ford? That's the tension that we struggle with during Lent. That's the area that we face as we go through these 40 days between now and the resurrection. How does our faith get sharpened? Where do we find faith? Does it rise from within us or does it come from without? What gives us the strength to lean in to the Spirit? What gives us that hope to continue on? I opened this morning talking about the issues that they're facing up at Keith with the suicides over the last month.
And in every case that I'm aware of, it's like the spirit or like the, like the light has gone out. Like the, like the person's eyes were covered and they couldn't see, they couldn't feel, they couldn't experience the truth that they were not alone. Things got out of balance. And in those cases, the darkness won. But the darkness does not have to win. And if we read to the end of the book, we can see that it doesn't. So my hope during this time of Lent during this time of reevaluation, during this, this time of, of sincerely seeking God's presence in our life, that we can feel His presence, that we can feel His loving embrace for each and every one of us, and we can share that grace that fills us when we experience that with others so that they can know it too. Lent is a time for sharpening. And over these next few weeks as we walk through through the gospel lessons, it's my hope that we'll find something to cling to. Because our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We invite you to visit our website at mcfarlandumc.org to learn more about our church and the ministries that we provide to the Rossville and East Lake communities around Chattanooga. May God's blessings be yours.